Father, thank you, God, for the work that you've already begun to do in hearts right now. God, there has been people that, that their, their hearts have been poured out to you. God, they feel empty and they feel alone and they feel like that there is no hope for them or they feel like, God, they're just brokenhearted over the things that they've had to endure in their life. And I just pray that right now they would see that there is hope. God, that no matter what we have gone through or what we are going through, that there is hope and there is joy. God, there is joy that is available through the cross. There is joy that is available through Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that if people don't hear anything else this morning, they have heard the testimony of the fact that God is good. No matter what happens, no matter in our darkest days, God is still good and He still loves us and we can choose to rejoice even in those dark days. So God, I just pray, Lord, for people that are here this morning, they, maybe they just needed to hear that this morning, that, that there is hope, God, that they can find peace no matter what is going on, I pray that they see that, God, through your glory. Father, we thank you so much for your word, your precious word. You give us this word so that we can learn about you and who you are and how you have revealed yourself to us. God, I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted. I pray that we would understand just how powerful it is. God, we would let it sink deep into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, that we might be changed forever through this precious word that you've given us. God, thank you so much for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. All right. We've been in a series about Jonah, and today's the last day of that series. It didn't start out talking about Jonah, but that's kind of where we ended up. Uh, the name of the series is Saved Alone, and we talked about this guy named Horatio Spafford who lost his children. He lost his daughters when his daughters and his wife were on their way over to England, and, and they, they drowned in the sea as a result of a shipwreck. shipwreck. There was two uh, ships that actually collided into one another, and the, and the ship that they were on sank, and the daughters perished in the sea, and the wife wrote back a telegram to Horatio Spafford saying, saved, alone. And sometimes as Christians, we feel that way. We feel that though we're saved, we're still alone. And I hope that no matter what you see through this series, there is one thing that you will grasp hold of, and that is the fact that you are not alone, that you're not alone, that even if uh, even even as, as before you become a Christian, think about this, the fact that the Holy Spirit of God, as, as you sit under the, the preaching and teaching of his word, you sit in the midst of people worshiping God and singing songs and praising God, that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you, trying to show you that you need, you need Jesus Christ above all else. If you think about that fact, the fact that even when I am not a Christian, even when, when I'm, I'm sitting there in disobedience to God, God is still reaching out to me, trying to show me, trying to show me that he is the hope and he's the way, the truth and the life. And the fact that he's showing us that, even when we're disobedient, even when we're not following him as Christians, sometimes you feel so alone. And we've, we've been talking about this idiot guy. I mean, he, he is a, a poor prophet, to be honest with you. He's called a minor prophet in the Bible, uh, but, but he's actually just kind of a poor prophet, a disobedient prophet. A guy who's basically a racist and struggling with suicide? That's who Jonah is. Did you know that? Like, I mean, every single time he runs into something that's kind of an opposition or he doesn't like, or he, he kind of starts whining, and he's like, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. And that's what he says. God, just kill me. And the sailors, we read in Jonah chapter 1, the, the seas were all whipped up, and they, they were like, they were about to drown because the sea was going to crash over their ship, and and he's asleep in the hole of the ship, and he's down there snoozing, and they wake him up, say, come on, pray to your God. I don't know what God you pray to, but you better pray to your God. And, 
finally the, the, the waves keep crashing and he tells them who his God is. And he's like, he's like, I've been disobedient and that's the reason. And they're like, well, we need to do something. And instead of repenting and coming back towards God, what does he do? He says, chump me into the ocean. Kill me. Let me die out in the ocean. That's where I deserve to be. As a Christian, have you ever felt that way? I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve to keep on going. I don't deserve another day. God, you just might as well kill me. I'm not doing you any good here on this earth. Have you ever felt like saying, you know what, God, save everybody else. I'm not worth saving. I know I felt that way. I can tell you, you know, I'm very transparent, and I, I, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks of me or whatever. There have been times, literally, that I have knelt down at this altar inside this building and said, God, I am not worth saving, but save everybody else. Literally, I felt that way at times. I'm like, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not worthy to preach your word. God, just save everybody else and just toss me to the side. I have been in that place. I know that I have felt that way. And maybe you have felt that way at some point in time. But the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing is, when I'm down at the altar down here praying, who am I talking to? Who am I talking? I'm talking to the God who saves, the God who rescues, the God who created a fish so that Jonah could be swallowed up by him. The, the, the fish was there to save Jonah, even though it wasn't very pleasant to be in the belly of a fish for, for three days, you know. God used that fish to rescue him. And while he was in that fish, we read in, in Jonah chapter 2 where he basically just cries out to God. He says, God, I'm going to look towards your temple. I've been disobedient, but I'm just going to go back towards you. I'm going to repent and turn towards you. And we talked about last week how that is the perfect individual to be preaching repentance to a bunch of people. Now, Jonah didn't like the people that God had called him to preach to. He didn't like them at all. As a matter of fact, they were his enemies. Now, I am so thankful that in here we, we are so holy that we don't have any enemies, right? Whew, I'm glad that's not me. I don't, I'm glad I don't have anybody I dislike. How about you? You glad? Yeah. You're excited, right? Uh, ladies, I love y'all. Let me say, I love y'all. I mamas, I love y'all. Y'all got some enemies. Am I right? Has anybody ever known a woman to hold a grudge? I haven't. I don't, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I don't know why y'all are laughing right now. I don't know any women that hold grudges, at least none that I'm going to talk about up here. <laughs> we got enemies, am I right? We do. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's that way. And, and some people kind of try to write off uh, Jonah's, the, the fact that he doesn't like the Assyrians, the fact that he doesn't like the people of Nineveh, because he is such a devout Israelite. He loves Israel so much that it's okay for him to, to hate them because he loves Israel so much. Let me ask you this, as, as citizens of the United States, is it okay for us to hate Iraq? Is it okay for us to hate Iran? I mean, this, this is the people that we're talking about, the Assyrians. Is it okay for us to hate them? I believe Jesus says that we're supposed to pray for our enemies, that that's what's going to distinguish us from everybody else is the fact that we love the people that hate us. I didn't say it. It's in the book. You should read it. It really is. And here, I don't see that as an excuse for Jonah. I don't believe that he can just say, well, I'm such a devout Israelite that the reason I hate the Assyrians is because we're under attack from them all the time and they keep trying to kill us and, and it's okay for me to hate them. And God says, go preach repentance in Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians. Go preach repentance to them. Tell them that I'm going to destroy the city if they don't repent and turn, turn towards me. 
If they don't turn away from their evil ways, I'm going to destroy the city. And Jonah, eventually, after he repents in Jonah chapter 2, he goes to Nineveh, and we read in, in Jonah chapter 3 that they repent, right? I mean, he's kind of a, a sorry preacher, too. He, he, we got one little verse there about what he preached, and he says, God's going to destroy the city. You better repent and turn towards God. And they do. They, they declare fasting. They said, not even the animals are going to eat right now. We're, we're, just going, we're going to put on our mourning clothes uh, the, where we weep and we have sorrow over what we have done in the place, the condition that we're in. We're going, to, we're going to put on our sackcloth and we are going to fast and we're not going to eat and our animals aren't even going to eat and, and maybe, just maybe, God will, will spare us. And then it says, at the end of Jonah chapter 3, it says that God changed his mind. Now, I, I believe that's kind of a poor translation of what I actually here because God knows, you know. So I believe what, what it's really trying to say is they, they did what was required in order for God to hold back his wrath so he didn't destroy the city. He, he just said, you know what, if they meet these conditions, if they, if they repent, then I'll hold back my wrath. I won't destroy them. And they repented, so he did. He didn't change his mind necessarily so much as he just uh, allowed them to make up the difference for what they what they were about to have to endure, he said, you know what, if you do it, if you, if, you, if you turn back towards me, then I'll spare you. And God gives us the same invitation, doesn't he? God gives us the same opportunity to say, you know what, if you will turn towards me, uh, uh, you can be with me in eternity. You, you can be with me and spend everlasting eternity with me. But if you don't, if you don't, you, you, you just get what you deserve. You just get what, what, what you had coming because you were born into sin, you have a sinful soul, you have a sinful condition, and there's no way to get out of that unless you repent and turn towards Jesus Christ and recognize the sacrifice that he made on the cross for all of us. We deserve the absence of God. That's what we deserve. But because of grace, because God saves us through his son Jesus Christ, because we put our faith and our trust in that, and we are rescued. And God doesn't change his mind so much as he says, they've met the conditions. And now what I, what I see now is not their sinful condition. What I see now is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is what you look like when God sees you if you have put your faith in him. Can you grasp that for a minute? You think all the nasty junk you've done in your life, and it gets pretty nasty. I know it does for me. And it's some pretty ugly stuff, Right? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you repent and turn towards God, He doesn't see any of that. He just sees Jesus Christ. He just sees Jesus Christ. Because we're not worthy to be with God, right? How can we in our sinful condition be with God if He could see all of our sin and see all the nastiness and the filth? We wouldn't be in the right condition to be with God when we died and we went from this place to be with Him in heaven. We wouldn't be in the right condition to do that. We have to be completely holy, completely pure. We have to be Jesus Christ. And there's nothing you can do to order to be able to earn that. All you have to do is put your faith in him and say, Jesus Christ has done this. Now, I've heard it said before that if somebody were to ask you when you got to the gates of heaven why you should be let in, if you ever said, because I, if you started your answer with because I, then you don't deserve to be there. Your answer should be because of Jesus. Because Jesus, and then you can start your answer. He is the only reason. He's the only reason we have any right 
to be able to be in the presence of God. We see a uh, repentant Jonah preaching Nineveh, preaching repentance, and God says, okay, I'm going to spare them. I'm not going to destroy them. I, I, I'm going I'm to leave them alone for now. And, and they've repented and they've turned towards me, and I'm, I'm good with that. And Jonah gets infuriated. He gets angry. That's what we see with Jonah chapter 4. We'll put it up on the screen. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Whew! I'm glad I ain't never done that. Complaining to the Lord. Whew, you must be crazy. He'll strike me down with lightning. You know that God can handle your complaints to him. He really can. The sovereign God of the universe who, who holds all the waters, all the oceans in, in the hollows of his hand, he can handle you being angry at him. He really can. When my daughter died, I was very angry at God. And I told him that. And we, we had a conversation, but at least, at least this, at least when you're angry with God, you're still talking to God. You, you know what the worst problem is? It's when you stop talking to him. When you start giving him the silent treatment, that's when you got a problem. But be angry with God. Talk to God. Don't disrespect God necessarily, but at least let him know you're angry. Listen to what Jonah says. He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I, I ran away to Tarshish. I, I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I have predicted will not happen. This is what he says. He says, God, I am angry with you. He said, I knew back when I was, I was there and, I, and you had called me to say this thing. I knew. I knew how merciful and how loving you were. I knew that your love doesn't fail. I knew that. And I knew that if they, if they heard the goodness of you, that they would turn and, and you would rescue them. And I didn't want that to happen. I wanted them to be destroyed like you said you would do. I wanted them to be destroyed. I wanted them to find their doom. Let me ask you, is that the right kind of attitude we should have as Christians? What about people that hurt you? What about people that stab you in the back or curse you or do things against you? Are, are, are we supposed to be like that? Is that supposed to be the meditation of our heart? Now, let me tell you something. If it is, you know, Jonah did the right thing here, actually. I don't know if he knew it or not, but at least he's coming to God with it. Where else are you going to go? You're going to let it build up in your heart? You let let that, that bitterness towards somebody or something, you just let it build up right here? And let it, let it keep building up, and the walls start building. You put brick upon brick upon brick. The walls building up. At least Jonah did the right thing. He comes to God with it and says, I knew it. I knew you would do this. I knew that's the way that you were. He's a merciful God full of unfailing love. I knew it. Doesn't sound like a bad thing to us, does it? I'm like, man, I am glad he's a merciful God with unfailing love. Here Jonah starts to complain to the Lord. He says, man, I just wanted, I didn't want that to happen. Go ahead. Let's go to the next verse. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Okay, like people who have been here for a while know that, that I'm really big on this thing. So when, when God asks a question, it's not because he don't know. 
Okay. Every time we come into a question, I always repeat this because everybody needs to hear this. Every time you run into God asking a question in the Bible, I want you to know this, okay? That's why I keep repeating it over and over and over again. Everybody's like, man, I've been here for a year. You don't have to tell me again. I know what it means, Kenny. Now, I'm going to tell you again. When God asks a question, it's not because he don't know. It's because it's an invitation. It's an invitation to repentance. He's not asking Jonah, is it okay for you to be mad at the, the Ninevites? Is it all right if you do that? He's not asking Jonah because God knows this merciful God with unfailing love. He knows it ain't right. He's just trying to get Jonah to admit that it ain't right. He said, is it right, Jonah? Is it okay for you to be this way? So, uh, <laughs> Jonah, man, this dude, I struggle with him sometimes. I'm like, you ain't never going to learn. But then again, God does the same thing to me, you know. I, it, I, I, f I feel like I say this to myself, like every single Sunday, you ain't never going to learn. Every single Sunday, I go, God, this, this sermon, I, I don't know. I, it, I'll feel good about it. I don't feel right about it. Everybody's going to want to walk out because they're tired of me talking and they're going to fall asleep. God, I don't feel good about it. And, and every single Sunday, you see people, man, repenting, coming to God, souls being saved, lives being changed, people understanding more about who God is. And I'm like, man, I'm so dumb. And then next Sunday, I do it over again. I do it all over again. God, it's not going to work out. I don't think it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's God, it's not me. That's the good news. That's the good news. But Jonah, he's like me in a lot of ways. He goes out and he says, and Jonah went out to the east side of the city and, and made a shelter to sit under and wait to see what would happen to the city. So here he is, he's going out to the side of the city, he's going to wait and see if, if the doom actually comes, if they really truly repented or not, and, and if, if destruction actually comes to the city. He already said he's hopeful that it would, so I'm guessing he's thinking, man, if I get lucky, the destruction will still come, and I'll get to lay witness to it. I'll get to see my enemies destroyed. Man. Man, I, I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes about me. Wonder if sometimes about me, man, like, you know, if, if there's not like somebody on the outside looking, looking at me going, man, I can't wait till he messes up. I can't wait till, till, till he falls. I can't wait till he's destroyed. I wonder if there are people out there looking at me like that. And, you know, believe it or not, I, I have enemies. I don't know why they're enemies necessarily. There are a lot of people out there that don't like me. Starting this church, as God called me, there are people that don't like me because of that. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything besides be obedient to Jesus Christ. And, and I said, this is what I'm doing. And there are people that do not like me as a result of that. And I wonder sometimes if they're sitting on the hillside somewhere waiting, just waiting for the destruction to come, waiting for something to happen to destroy me. I wonder. I wonder. Here Jonah's up on the hillside. He's, he's like, maybe, just maybe they'll be destroyed anyway. If I'm lucky, that's what will happen. So, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. You know what's cool about this? You're like, it's a plant. That's cool, Kenny. Yeah, I'm in on that. Green, big leaves. Awesome. It's the Lord arranged. The Lord arranged. What's cool about that? 
Do you remember who sent the, the waves and the storm to, to crash against the ship and all that? It was the Lord who sent that. It was the Lord who arranged it. Now it's the Lord who arranged the fact that a leafy plant's supposed to come and, and cover over Jonah. The fact that God is still there and God is still working in Jonah's life. I am so thankful about that for me and for you. I am so thankful that even though we turn our backs from God sometimes, and even though we have bitterness in our hearts and we have malice and there are people that we don't like and we don't want to tell them that they can come to God and find mercy and love, that God's still there and God's still arranging things and God's still giving us opportunities. God, that we are never alone. That even though we feel like we're alone and, and we put ourselves in situations where we feel like we're alone, that we're never alone, that God is still arranging things, still giving us opportunities. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we take advantage of those opportunities. Am I right? A lot of times we'd rather turn our backs on those opportunities and not recognize that God has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. There's road signs flashing and, and, and street signs and street lights flashing everywhere showing us this is God at work. This is God trying to show you something. This is God trying to do something in and through you. But we don't always see that it's God arranging it. We'd rather see our own selfish desires and what we want to happen. That's what we'd rather see instead of what God is at work doing. So here, God has arranged a plant to come and cover Jonah, even though he's on the outside of the city waiting for it to be destroyed. He, he went out there to watch the city be destroyed, and God is going to teach Jonah. Still teaching Jonah. Still loves Jonah. Still merciful towards Jonah. Even after a disobedience, and then he turns towards God and, and, and seemingly does the right thing, and he still has this bitterness in his heart towards these people. And God's still there trying to show Jonah stuff. I am so glad that God doesn't give up on me. I'm glad that God continues to do things and arrange things so if I will open my eyes and look, I can see God's presence and what he's doing. Let's go on. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. Whew, God's arranged some worms in my day. He sure has. God arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm came and ate through the stem of the plant. So they withered away. As the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. I've been there a few times too, right? Like the worm comes. Y'all know, y'all got worms too. Don't be just looking at me like, Kenny, you got worms. Y'all got worms too. I know that sounds bad, don't it? You got worms too. But there are times when bad things happen and it's still God. There are times when rough conditions come and it's still God arranging. You're like, whoa, are you sure? How much stuff do you learn when things are going good? How much do you rely on God for every single breath when things are going really well in your life? How close are you to God when, when things are so wonderful and so joyous and you're like, man, ain't nothing going wrong in my life versus how much are you talking to God and relying on God and learning from God and seeing the signs that he's put all around you when you were hurting and you were in despair. God arranged for worms and wind so that Jonah would wake up and see that God is still there. That he, he's a merciful God and he's trying to still teach Jonah. He's trying so desperately to give him all these things so he can learn. Come on, Jonah, learn. I find myself in the same position. Come on, Kenny, what is wrong with you, man? Don't you see God at work in this situation? 
Don't you see what God's doing? Would you open your eyes and, and stop living this place where you got the blinders on? Come on, man, wake up. Can't you see what God is doing? God arranged for the worm. Then, he, then on top of that, I mean, it would have been bad enough if the, if the leaf would have just withered, withered but, but what happens on top of that is God sends a hot east wind. This, this, is, like, this is like being in Florida, away from the beach, and it's 1,000 degrees and 2,000% humidity. You know what I'm talking about? Like it, It's blowing on it. It's blowing on it. I've been to Arizona before, and they say it's a dry heat. It's still hot, okay? I, I, I've been in Phoenix. It was 110 degrees in the shade. It was still hot, you know? It just, everybody's like, well, it's, it's good for your allergies because they don't have any plants there. Yeah, everything's dead. You know why? It's hot. <laughs> it's hot, man. <laughs> Nothing grows in Arizona because it's hot. It wasn't good for my allergies. You know why? Because it was hot. Here Jonah's like, oh, it'd be better if I was dead than to live like this. Some, some plant's not there. The hot wind's coming, and, and Jonah's ready to die again. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Y'all know it's an invitation, right? I don't say that again. And what does Jonah say? This... Is it right, Jonah, that you're acting this way? Is it right that you want to die because there's a hot wind coming and your plant's gone? And Jonah, boy, he's really learning, ain't he? He's really got it figured out. He's like, yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die, it's even good enough for me to be, I can be angry enough that I'd rather be dead. Man, he still, he still ain't got it yet, does he? And the Lord said, the Lord's still teaching him. Man, I'm so thankful that the Lord still teaches me. And the Lord said, you feel sorry about that plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Shouldn't I want them to experience the same covering, the same shelter? Let's provide. He said, you didn't do any of this, Jonah. You didn't, you didn't create the plant. I created the plant. I'm the one that has everything in my control. And, and there's 120,000 people down there. And they're living in spiritual darkness. They're separated from God. And you're up here whining about yourself. And what's interesting to me is the way that, that the book of Jonah ends. It doesn't say that Jonah goes, God, you're right. I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. Let me fall out on my face before you. No. It just stops right there. God getting the last word, if you will, and just showing that, that Jonah, it don't matter what he said after that, does it? It, it don't matter. Okay, let's, let's pretend for a minute. Let's say Jonah did repent. And Jonah did say, you know what, God, you created the plant. You know everything in the world. You know these people, and you showed them mercy. And praise God that you rescued them. Well, then God gets glory from that. Well, what's the other alternative? That he doesn't, right? 
That, that, that he, doesn't, he doesn't understand. He doesn't believe. He's just like, God, I'm done with this. I'd rather go die. Do you think God's going to say, okay, now it's your time to die? All the other times you've asked me to die, I didn't let you do that then. There's been three other times you wished you were dead. I didn't let it happen that way. The fourth time, three strikes, you're out, buddy. The fourth time, you're dying. No. No. You know what God would have done? God would have continued to still be the merciful God with unfailing love that continues to teach and to show and to try to pour into Jonah. And, and maybe he took him to a different city or maybe he, he, said, he said, Jonah, you got to go into the belly of another fish. But God would still be there trying to show Jonah what he needed to do. Because we saw that time after time after time again in this book. And that is exactly what is going on here. And... and Jonah, he wasn't going to be alone. God just wasn't going to leave him out there to dry. He was going to, he, he, it may have taken another plan and another east wind or whatever it would have taken, but because of God's unfailing love, he would have stuck it out with Jonah and he continued to teach him and show him and love him through it. I'm so thankful that that's me. I'm so thankful that in my disobedience, I'm so thankful in the times that I wish, man, God, just do away with me. I'm finished. I've had enough. I'm not doing the right things. I'm not saying the right things. God, I've had enough. The God says, God says, get up and go. Right? Get up and go. You know, that, that's supposed to be the message of Jonah, is to get up and go. He said it to him the first time, and Jonah ran to Tarshish. He ran the other way. Then he said it to him the other time. This time Jonah's ears were open because he was... He, he was ready to repent. He was ready that God had shown him that God was uh, trying to do things to wake Jonah up. And, and, and finally, Jonah repents and comes back towards God, and, and he, he goes to Nineveh. He does what God's told him to do. And then, and then we see Jonah still having bitterness towards these people, wishing they were dead, hoping to see their destruction. And the whole time, the whole time God is still there. Saying, Jonah, wake up. Jonah, can't you see? Can't you see that the things that are in your heart are not okay? I'm trying to show you. I'm trying desperately to wake your soul up so that you can see because there are people that need to hear. There's 120,000 people in Nineveh, and, and there, there's, there's people around us, and, and God calls us, man, to reach out to those people. I'm not just talking about the people in your family who's so hard to reach that you so desperately don't want to talk to. I'm talking about even your enemies, even the people that hate you and have cursed you and stabbed you in the back and, and they think that you're some sort of vile, awful creature. Those people, too. That, that we want God to be merciful towards us, but we don't necessarily want that for everybody. And God's saying the whole time, I'll do whatever it takes to show you that I care about them just like I care about you. I care about them just like I care about you. The people that aren't here today, they didn't come to church. Maybe they gave no thought to church. They didn't care about church. They didn't care about God. They those people, those people are the ones that are out there. And those are exactly the people that God has called us to go and to tell. Tell them, man, there is impending doom. There's destruction headed your way. You don't understand. You don't recognize how bad it's going to be. But I'm telling you, it's coming. You've got, to, you've got to repent. You've got to turn towards God. There's a way out, and I'm telling you, this is what it is. But what, what's our response towards God a lot of times? It's just like Jonah. 
It's just like John. John, God, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want them to be rescued. So when I say to you today, you're enemies. When I say to you today, who are the people that, that don't understand, they don't recognize the doom and destruction that's headed their way? Who is that in your mind? Who, who is that person that pops into your mind? Who are those people that come into your mind when you hear that? What do they look like? What are their faces? Where do they live? Where do they go to school? Where do they go to work? Do they sit beside you at work? Do they sit beside you at school? Do they have a locker underneath you at school? Who are those people? Who are the people that talk about you in the hallways? Who, who's, who's the guy that fired you from your last job? Who, who's, who's the group of friends that are always talking about you and talking about your group of friends? See, we want the mercy and we want the love and we want the, the compassion that God has for us, but we don't want it for those people. God says we're supposed to have it for those people. Whatever feels natural to you for you to hate those people, go against that because that's how they will know that you're one of mine. See, saved alone. Saved alone. We love that. We've been, as our mantra for this whole series, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us never alone, right? We've said that over and over and over again, a quote by Martin Luther. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us never alone. Man, I, we want to have it tattooed on our chest. We want everybody to know, man, I am saved by faith alone, but I am never alone. How willing are we to go and take that message to somebody else? How willing are we, if we truly have that salvation that exists in us, are we to go to our enemies and say, you know what? I know you don't like me very much, but let me tell you, there's some good news for you. How willing are we to take that message of faith and being saved through that to people that we hate and people that we despise because they hurt us? How willing? And you know what the invitation God's given you? Is that okay? Is that okay? It's the same message you gave to Jonah. Is it all right? Is it all right? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. I pray that we wouldn't be people that would hear a message and we would hear your word, God, and it would just go in one ear and out the other. God, I pray that it would be the meditation of our hearts. God, that we would let this word sink deeply into us. God, so that when we think about those people that have hurt us so deeply that we despise, God, that we would not only, not only just say with our lips, God, we're willing to do what you've called us to do, but we would go and do it. Faith without action is, is a dead faith, and God, I pray that we would be people of action. But I know that that action starts with a commitment that has to come with the overflow of our hearts. So God, I pray that there would be people that would come and they would pray for their enemies just as you instructed us to do. The people that have hurt us, the people that have stabbed us in the back, the people that we don't like because of something they've done against our family. God, all those people, I pray we'd come and pray for them. People that have broken up our families. Maybe, maybe even somebody here has lost somebody at, at the hands of another person through murder. Maybe, maybe they need to come and pray for that person. 
God, we're supposed to be different. You called us to be different. To be holy is to be completely unique, to be set apart. And I just pray that we would be that way. We wouldn't be like everybody else. And when people looked at us, they would be able to say, that is a follower of Christ. There can be no other explanation for the, the way they behave than, than God is at work in that person's life. God, help us to, to just pray for our enemies. Continue to show us just road signs and, and open our eyes to, God, these things that you're doing in our life so that we can reach those people for your glory. God, thank you so much for the mercy and the unfailing love that you've shown me. God, I pray for the same thing for the people that despise me. Thank you, God, for opening my eyes and opening my heart. I just pray that you would continue to work. And God, we continue to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?